Hello everyone, I'm Marco Germinario. And my name is Alessandro Maccarini. And this is Supernova, a podcast about the things we don't know. You know, Ale, a few days ago I was watching a, a funny video on uh, YouTube. And there were this uh, philosopher and sociologist, uh, Slavo Zizek. He was uh, watering his plants and he was complaining how disgusting his tulips were. He said flowers should be forbidden to children. And he said that petals look like a female organ ready to swallow you. So basically, he said that basically these flowers were an open invitation to all the insects, you know, like, uh, come and make love with me, you know. But then I was wondering, how do flowers and plants uh, reproduce? I know about these things with bees and uh, pollen, but what happens exactly? And uh, do plants have a DNA like humans? Don't you think it would be interesting to investigate, Alessandro? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Also, because uh, if I think back to when I was a child, probably I, I studied or we all studied these things when we were maybe, I don't know, eight, 10 years old. Uh, but after that, if you don't really study these kind of things, you probably forget and then you don't really know what actually happens between plants and, and uh, insects. So I'm uh, really looking forward to, to hear our guest today. Yes, uh, you know, also this thing when, uh, you know, when a child, uh, you ask uh, how, where children came from and then the parents make this example with the bees and so on so yeah i think it would be de definitely interesting to talk about plants reproduction and we have uh, dario fair he's a scientist researcher in plant uh, genetics and plants uh, dna welcome uh, dario thank you very much it's a honor to be here the honor is ours so Dario, what do you work with uh, exactly? You know, you work in, in plants crossing or plants reproduction. What do you do exactly? Uh, let's say to use the correct uh, word, I'm working in uh, on plant breeding, which you might say is the art of selecting uh, the best plant and and make them to make uh, to make love and to make uh, even better plants. This is what we are doing. And it's something I could do with any plant, but right now I work uh, with grasses. Yeah, um, I have a question. You, you said plants are breeding. You mean breeding like dogs or horses? Is the same concept? Yes, I would. Plant is different uh, because uh, you can do it in uh, many different ways. We can talk about it later, but yes, it's like, uh, it's more or less the same. It's like to produce better plants or new plants. But when you say better plants, I think before you said the, to select the perfect plant, you mean perfect or better for, for which application? I mean, I believe it should be something that is more useful for, for the humankind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for instance, a kind of wheat that produces a double amount of grain compared to the normal one, or a kind of barley which is uh, resistant to many diseases, or... Uh, apple which is resistant to some kind of insect and and so on plants that are resistant to stresses or to diseases or that they are just producing more or uh, with different uh, qualities like uh, bees uh, beans uh, beans with uh, more protein and, and so on okay but there are also i mean of course, if you tell it in this way, it seems like it's it's advantage for the humans. But there are also some uh, disadvantages when you do this kind of uh, crossing between plants. There could be some uh, potential um, danger for the environment or for humans. I mean, we have so many crosses and uh, we usually try to kill the plants which are uh, that are nasty. <laughs> so yeah, what we do is basically is just uh, crossing plants and uh, modifying them a bit for each uh, generation. You said at the beginning you were working with uh, 
grass. What, what is that exactly? Yes, uh, when I say I work with grass, uh, then everybody is making uh, jokes about marijuana. If I can, uh, <laughs> if I can give marijuana to them, no. I work for a company that produces like uh, grasses, uh, for forage for uh, animals and uh, grass for uh, football pitches or uh, houses or uh, golf courses. Can you come a little bit more in detail? Like, uh, you know, it's only also grass for soccer fields. You know, how this grass have to be, you know, and uh, also the grass for forage. What are the properties they have, uh, they need? Uh, so the grass uh, for a perfect uh, soccer pitch, uh, it should be, first of all, it should be very green, very soft, uh, very nice, and should be resistant uh, to people stepping on it. And uh, we actually have a machine that is... Uh, Unfortunately, we cannot see it right now, but uh, it's a machine that uh, simulates uh, the impact of 10 uh, rugby teams on the, on the grass. So basically, we run back and forward uh, on our field with this machine and uh, we pick up uh, what survives. And, uh, what... <laughs> and then they use it for, okay, these are, it's really the survival of the fittest, so... Yes, yes. Okay. And how exactly do you cross different plants? I mean, that means that you take a piece of DNA from one plant and then you mix it with the DNA from another plant? Or how does this process work exactly? Where I work, we use uh, the, traditional, the traditional way that is like uh, we let them to make love uh, in, uh, in the way that Mother Nature has decided. This depends also on which kind of plants you are working on because uh, plants, uh, they reproduce in a in, uh, in many different ways. There are plants that basically they make love with themselves. They, are, uh, her they have both uh, male and female, uh, let's call them genitals, and they, they just uh, make sex with themselves. Other plants... Uh... What does it mean exactly? I mean, can you describe us? I mean, they have the genitals, but plants are not moving. Can you make a, a step, uh, you know, and, and figure out, you know, what does it mean that plants... Uh, make love in, in which different way in, in what consists exactly basically uh, you have a male i called it uh, genitals but it's it's more of a, it's called inflorescence like the flower a male flower or a male part of the flower uh, which produces the pollen and uh, then the pollen travels from uh, the male part of the flower to the female part of the flower which uh, contains uh, eggs inside and, the flower yes okay yes. and the pollen can travel in uh, many different ways in case of plant that let's say make love with themselves it is just there in the same flower so it just drops in other cases when plant uh, cross uh, it can be transported by insect or uh, wind it depends on the on the plants so we have uh, male and female plants also that's a difficult actually those are the exception Uh, there are some plants in which you can have uh, the male and the female. The most common example is, of course, uh, marijuana, but also, also in kiwi, for instance, you get the male and the female. So there are the plants that you, you say you make love with themselves. You mean, you know, they produce uh, new flowers. They reproduce by a female part and a male part. The male part produces this pollen, which after a few centimeters uh, journey lands on the female part of the plant and they can reproduce. But there are also plants that are only male and only female, as you said, you know, like uh, marijuana or kiwi. 
So they use the male flower produce pollen and it travels along the air or through insects, which brings them there. Yes. Okay. And then But those are exceptions. Let's say the majority of plants, they both have male flower and female flower. And uh, some of them, they have sex with themselves and uh, on their own. And some of them, they cross uh, with each other. And the plant I'm working with, they, all of them have male and female flower, but they, they cross uh, between, uh, between each other. So even if they have a male and female part, they need to... They need the other flower to be able to reproduce. Exactly. But so, I mean, this pollen, you can see this pollen is a sort of a semen. Let's say from a very practical point of view, you, you could say so. So that's why uh, Lazarus Zizek, he was disgusted by tulips. You, you mean, okay, I understand. So you mean all the pollens we have, you know, in spring, you know, we think it's so romantic, it's so beautiful, but basically... Semen is the way of reproduce a plant. I mean, it, it is romantic because uh, basically when you are in the, in the middle of a pollen cloud, you are showering with love. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So that's what you Okay, that's what we see. And the guy is right. Flower, uh, the ones that are pollinated by insects, they are disgusting because it's like uh, they are just there with, uh, with, open, uh, they are comp- they are with open petals and they are just waiting for, uh, for insects to... Bring the pollen, bring the seed. Yes. Competing, yes, I guess, exactly. with the other flowers. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're competing with each other, you know, who gets uh, pollinated. Okay. And I believe that this process can also be done artificially. So, I mean, in some uh, laboratories probably there are, I mean, it's possible to take a pollen with, with some, uh, yeah, some tools maybe from one flower and then put it in another flower because you want to, to do something more artificial. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, of course. But we didn't say that, but there are also plants that can cross uh, with other plants and cross uh, with themselves uh, at the same uh, at the same time. So if you want to do something uh, like a control uh, control crossed, uh, you take a plant, you remove the male flower or the male part of the flower, which is with a process which is actually called castration. And then uh, you put another plant close to it. And, uh, and of course, you will have uh, the male and the female like, uh, like in animals or like in marijuana. This is, this is like breeding. But then, uh, Dario, what a flower reproduces, I can, I can imagine a new flower comes up, right? But if, uh, if you got the pollen in a flower, how this flower can plant a new seed to that in a way that a new flower comes up for, for, for the ground? I would say it's like in, uh, it's like in people. There is, uh, there, there is the egg and there is the, the, the male, uh, like the, the plant uh, sperm, and they just merge and they, they form an embryo. And uh, after some weeks, uh, the embryo is ready. Uh, the seed is just an embryo with, uh, with some uh, substances to, to get food uh, during the first days uh, of life. But then when, when the embryo is ready, it develops uh, from physically from the same flower or from, or from the ground? The embryo forms uh, in the flower, and then uh, usually it stays, uh, it hibernates for a few weeks or months, and then uh, when it's on the ground, it's, uh, it flowers again. It, no, it fly, sorry, when it's on the ground, it uh, germinates. Okay, so it starts to fall in the ground when it's ready. Okay, I just missed this part. It fall from the ground to the ground. Yeah, that's, uh, that's how it is. But it sounds very much similar to... 
animals uh, uh, way to reproduce. And then, you know, you say you work with plants at DNA, you know, right? So if plants have DNA and animals have DNA, this means that we have a common ancestor, I guess, plants, animals in a certain point. Oh, that's a, that's a very complicated question. But yeah, you could actually say that, that we, bo- we both plant and the animal and every other single organism that we evolved from uh, some uh, very small bacteria that existed uh, some billions of years ago. It, it, it is possible. That's why when we say, you know, there's this say that uh, we have a 50% DNA in common with a banana. I was not sure what it meant exactly. It doesn't mean that we are uh, half bananas. No, I don't uh, think so. (laughs) (laughs) There are some parts of DNA which are shared uh, across different kind of uh, species, even between uh, plant and human. And I I don't know how they came with this estimate of 50%. I have uh, have no clue. So the definition of DNA is is a molecule that uh, allows with a molecule instead of reproducing itself and they transmit the uh, characteristics to the new one. And then this DNA contains the instruction to build the organism. Is it correct? Yeah, if you have to explain it in 10 seconds, yeah, exactly. uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that might be correct. But please don't, uh, don't give this definition to my professors. Okay, I promise. Now, I will say that because you know, they say that we have a DNA in co- parts of DNA in common with the humans and plants. It means that we build some parts of us or some part of the plants in the same way, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I buy it. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the part we should cut because I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But definitely between animals, yeah, there are many, among animals, there are uh, many things uh, in the organism that are built in the same way. Yes. The same way. Okay. Maybe we can make another podcast only about that. Yeah. So we, we should try to come back to the, to the plant uh, topic. Yes. So. When you said, yeah, because I was thinking now if um, it's possible then, so right now you talk about uh, how you uh, cross plants uh, uh, naturally. So using the natural uh, impollination, but can you also do that a bit more advanced? I mean, using some more advanced technique or or can you force two plants that naturally would never cross to each other? I mean, can you do that in a laboratory? I need to talk about our secret uh, researches. <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's say, yes, there are many different experiments. Because sometimes the, the plant that only cross uh, with other plants, it's because they have a gene that prevents them from uh, pollinating themselves. So, Mario, excuse me. Can you give us a 10 second definition of what a gene is? Oh, a gene is a uh, 10 second definition. Let's say it's a part of DNA. It's a part of DNA that gives the instruction for uh, to create a certain protein. A certain part of the things uh, plants are built, or we are built. Okay, thank you. Protein, I will say. Yes, yeah. So, yes, there are some genes uh, that prevent uh, those plants uh, from, uh, let's say, in a rough way, having sex with themselves. Uh, so there is there is this kind of research going on. There are other researches uh, uh, that are based on uh, just uh, taking uh, half of the DNA and just uh, multiply it. So you make an organism that is like a, a double uh, double pollen. 
It's just uh... it's not about a GMO. So so basically, maybe we can start by describing what a GMO is. GMO. Uh, I I think that here we need a scientist and a lawyer in order to define what a GMO is because uh, th th there is actually a huge discussion about it. But let's see. GMO stands for genetically modified organism. Exactly. Uh, let's okay. say that a GMO is uh, it's like an umbrella term uh, that includes uh, organisms done with uh, created with many different technology. It can be from a gene from a species which is transferred in uh, another species. It can be a gene from uh, one species which is uh, transferred in plant of another or in uh, animals of the same the same uh, species. It can be a small modification of uh, some part of the DNA. So it's like an umbrella term uh, that includes different technologies and it, what exactly goes there, it's a matter of discussion. I understand. And when you, I just want to clarify, when you, when you say a gene is a transferred to another plant, basically means that uh, in this way, you know, the genes uh, uh, codify a trait, you know, a characteristic of the plant. So the reason why you want to transfer some genes of, of the DNA it means that you want a certain plant to have a certain characteristics, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so maybe, so that's why, you know, you don't see olive uh, trees uh, mixing with the tulipans because their DNA do not allow the mixing of genes because otherwise uh, all the plants, all the plants would mix together in a craziness. Yeah, it's like uh, we cannot have children with, uh, with a monkey or... Uh... Or no, let's not get. Let's not get too extreme. But as in animals, there are uh, examples like the donkey and the horse that can have uh, offsprings. It can happen also in plants that there are some cases uh, of different plants that that can have uh, that can have offsprings even if they are not from the same species but uh, but it doesn't happen uh, it's usually not the norm it doesn't happen that often exactly you say the donkey and the horse the, their offspring is the mule correct uh, yes i i don't remember exactly if it's called that way when the mother is a horse or where the father is a horse but uh And then it was the same thing with the with the lion and the tiger. I think they call it the liger. I mean, is it a joke? It exists, uh, really. It exists. I mean, it's, okay. if it's a joke, it's not made up by okay. me. Uh, no, it, I'm pretty sure it exists. The liger. Okay, it's it's a combination of a lion and tiger. And so you were talking about, you know, you're trying to find the right grass. But you, you told me, I remember, you also selecting grass not only for soccer fields, but also for cows. Is it correct? Yes. Not only cows, but cows, uh, sheep, uh, any kind of uh, animal that eat uh, grasses. And uh, Which characteristic they should have, for example? It sh should, of course, produce uh, as much... Uh, should be very productive because uh, we want uh, an hectare to produce tons and tons of it. It should be resistant uh, to disease, uh, drought, and any kind of uh, problem that, uh, that can occur. And of course, it should be very digestible. Uh, and that's uh, pretty interesting because uh, if the food is digestible, then uh, you also decrease the methane emission that come from cows. I remember this uh, met methane emitted uh, by... Cows are huge, actually, for also greenhouse. 
as a greenhouse polluting? Yes, and the methane is much more uh, dangerous than uh, CO2. Yeah, it's a bigger effect. So we don't want even want these cows to fart so much. It sounds like a shocking fact for many people, but the, they do not fart methane. They they barbed it. They they yeah they have they have four different stomachs. The first one it's like a fermenting tank, and uh, and the methane comes out of this uh, fermenting tank. The methane is produced by burping of cows and not farting. E- exactly. Okay. <laughs> It's quite a fascinating uh, story. Interesting. So basically, yeah, if you meet a cow, it's probably say, safer and nicer to, to stay in the back rather than in the front. People don't, yeah, stay uh, in the back. <laughs> people yeah. don't think about it. <laughs> cool. Another interesting, um, yeah, also you were working on, yeah, on the production of, it has to do with the nitrogen, I guess. I am not working on it, but uh, yes, I said there are plants that live in symbiosis with microorganisms and which are able to get uh, the nitrogen directly from the atmosphere. So you don't need to use, if you get this plant in your field, you don't uh, need to, to fertilize. Okay. Yeah, are you also working on that? Not me, but uh, we are working on some other symbiosis. For instance, there are other microorganisms that produce toxins and they are naturally in symbiosis with the with the grass. And uh, those toxins are, uh, of course, toxic for uh, any kind of animals, but some of them are toxic only for insects. This is the kind of grass that we put in uh, airports because uh, so the airport will be insect-free so it will be bird free and so we are not we are not having accident between uh, birds and okay. airplanes interesting thanks to companies like yours that's a pretty smart yeah and what about those plants that can live uh, in the air i mean how they can really survive i studied it like 15 years ago so i don't really remember but they, <laughs> they must have some uh, something to catch uh, the humidity from the atmosphere okay uh, don't tell me don't tell me how because i and don't and don't show this podcast uh, to my biology professor okay we are showing to millions of people but not to your biology professor no no <laughs> but i mean theoretically is it possible to make co2 capturing with plants i know that they already capture co2 but is it possible to engineer a plant that capture huge amounts of co2 Maybe I'm saying very stupid things, but it just came out to my mind right now. I mean, the plant actually, uh, it captures uh, uh, CO2. It's using that, but then the CO2, you find it inside the plant. Yes, they use the carbon, you know, to, to structure their own, you know, to their own materials. But is it possible maybe to engineer a plant that use much more CO2, I mean, 10 times more CO2 than the normal plants do? And then and then stocks it and then stocks it efficiently. You mean? Yeah, exactly. I would imagine this one to be something you you might do with microorganism. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they are good because they capture some CO2 and they put it in the organic matter and uh, and then the soil with organic matter is fertile and and so on. But of course, if you destroy all the plants, you get uh, much more CO2 in the atmosphere. But i don't really think that we can suck all the CO2 <laughs> with the, in the atmosphere through new forests. But we should, we should definitely not destroy the ones that we already have, and it's, it's good to plant new trees. Yeah, I think one of the biggest uh, contributions uh, CO2 capture, actually. 
the, the forest. I have um, a question about uh, urban farms. So I read some articles where they said that in the future, we may have these uh, huge facilities in the city that uh, uh, grow vegetables and fruits that can be provided to the city. Can you tell something about that and probably how the crossing of plants can be important for, for these kind of facilities? Oh, those are uh, fantastic facilities that uh, it will allow you to grow bananas uh, in Iceland or uh, vegetables in the middle of the desert. Yeah, of course, it's for, uh, I mean, you cannot convert the whole agriculture indoor, but I don't think this will be for wheat or for maize or, uh, but, but it could easily be something, it's something that is already happening for vegetables. I haven't done anything about it yet, but I, I can imagine uh, some plants which are selected for growing uh, indoor. I mean, from natural plants, we selected plants that can grow on fields, so we can Also select plants for uh, indoor growing. In your living room. Yes, thanks for the, thanks for the idea. I will start uh, before the podcast is out. <laughs> you want to create a startup. So you can actually write a research funding proposal now. Don't say this. <laughs> Need to keep it secret. I have one last question. Uh, we were talking about the GMO with plants, you know, genetically modified uh, organism. But we are starting doing this with humans, with the CRISP technique that allows you to modify the genetic level, you know, the DNA, and with other techniques uh, on, uh, on humans. So um, I was wondering, uh, do you know how much uh, it will be done with, with the humans and uh, how, how developed is this uh, technology? I mean, I, I, want, I think it would be more, more or less the same because soon we'll be able to modify the genes we are made of. It means... Uh, even the traits or our characteristics, more or less as we're doing with plants. Before I said we need one lawyer, maybe here we need 10 lawyers because this is actually very controversial. Uh, Perhaps we can start by describing what CRISP technology is because actually I don't know personally. So Basically explained again in 10 seconds, you take a very small piece of DNA and you, and you just modify it, that, that small piece of DNA. Yes, and uh, it's not an entire gene, but it's just a small modification that you do at some point. Yes. Human DNA. And what happens when you, when you make this uh, small modification? What could happen? It could easily happen that you have a gene that is causing some disease and you just put a, you mess up with the DNA sequence and then the gene cannot create uh, the protein any longer. Or maybe there are two versions of the protein. One is good and one is bad. You have the bad one and then you get transplanted with the good one. Yeah, it's because the genes are a part of DNA that produces proteins and the proteins are, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can do it with plants as well. Somebody is starting. Uh, the complicated part is to understand which gene is responsible for one particular uh, characteristic. Because in most of the cases, it's like... Uh, a hundred or a thousand genes that are responsible for something. And uh, you can't really modify, you can't even see which kind of genes they are and you can't modify all of them. So it can't be used for everything. Uh, we will not have, uh, at least in the next uh, hundred years, we will not have superhuman or super plants, but it can have some uh, interesting application. Well, you know, uh, you know, I was wondering, I was thinking that... Uh... If we don't, we won't have, you know, nuclear war or something 
some disaster. Looking at the exponentially proven our technology only in the last six years, I mean, 100 to 200 years, we basically acquired the completely understanding on, the, for example, a human organism, a human DNA, then we can do everything with that. Yeah. I don't really, uh, really anything can happen because it's uh, what I'm doing right now, which is uh, selecting plant and, uh, and crossing them is something that farmers have been doing for uh, thousands of years. But doing it by looking at the DNA and looking at the whole DNA, it, it's something that when I studied at the university did not exist because it was way too expensive to, to do something like that. Yeah, it's starting now. Yes, it has started like uh, 10 years ago, let's say. I was wondering uh, when we be, all of us will be, you know, humans will be GMO, we will be, all of us modified. What will happen if we're not to eating a GMO plants? <laughs> it could actually be possible. Uh, G- GMO humans uh, refusing to eat uh, GMO plants. Yeah, that's what the world will consist of. That is a realistic scenario. <laughs> the ultimate paradox. Exactly. But actually there is, uh, I can tell you there is a huge discussion uh, about CRISPR-Cas and uh, if whether that's uh, GMO or not. But I don't know how it will end. It will be a very long discussion. Well, and uh, on this note, um, that's uh, that was for the show today. So, Dario, thank you very much for your participation. Uh, you are welcome. And if you are interested in uh, the different way in which plants are kinky and reproduce uh, in, uh, with clouds of semen, then you can ask more. Okay, maybe we can ask the listeners if they want to podcast about that. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> well, Alessandro, it was a pleasure to chat with you as usual. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for this very nice episode. And for the listeners, as usual, you're welcome to write to us uh, your remarks and comments and ideas. And also if you think we should go more in depth with some of the areas we talked about. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye.